Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hi, everybody. I love being back with you each week. And did you know that even though it is still April, it is officially summertime where I am. A new seafood shop just opened up on Main Street here in Dobbs. And this guy spends all week down at the docks on his boat, fishing, pulling up stuff, and he brings it here on the weekends. I just tried it for the first time this weekend, and it was like I was in voca- on vacation excuse me, in Rhode Island. I felt transported. I brought home a pound of shrimp. I brought home a pound of scallops. I'm the only one that eats this stuff at my house. My son will get into the shrimp, but other than that, it's all me all the time. I had a shrimp extravaganza. I had scallop pasta for days. Ugh, it's amazing how not only the weather, but also just a taste of summer can really transport you. I hope you guys are getting ready to be transported. I hope you're having a great spring and preparing yourself for my favorite season, summertime. Speaking of preparing yourself, okay, that's a bad transition. There's there's no transition. This is a totally different topic. I wanted to remind you guys that now we have a more efficient way for you to submit your questions. So I was recognizing that people's questions were coming in and that having the premium members questions on the same show as regular listener questions, because premium members get priority, because they go to the top of the mailbag, because they support us and financially help to keep us on the air, which we so appreciate. But due to that fact, I wasn't able to get to regular listener questions. So I have decided to relegate premium podcast questions to my premium podcast episodes. So now they'll still get answered in a very timely manner and you won't have to wait in the long line behind everyone else. But everyone else can submit to the regular question mailbag. And by using this new format, it's not only going to make it easier for me to review your pictures and your questions, but it will also make it more efficient for everyone. 
So if you have a question, I want to answer it. Send it to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. You'll visit that webpage and there's a button there. Click if you're a premium member, click the regular member button if you're not, and submit your question and I'll be able to answer it on the air ASAP. I, for one, am totally excited about this new system and I hope that you are too. I think it's going to be great. It's been great so far. I've been using it all month. All right, speaking of questions, without further ado, I'm going to dig right in. My first question comes from Aaron. Aaron writes, Hi, Betsy. I'm a former virtual design client and an ongoing podcast fan. I'm so glad you've been able to keep this podcast going during this crazy COVID time. It is a comfort and a treat for me. We actually moved one and a half years ago into a bigger house. I am finally almost done furnishing and starting to think about art and other wall decor. I have a hand-sewn silk kimono that my grandfather got in Japan during his service in the war. It has signs of wear. It needs a good cleaning and a press, but I'm wondering, is it wall worthy? It's so large, it would be a gigantic statement. The house is kid-friendly, transitional style. I already have some artwork from different countries that I plan to scatter throughout the house, but nothing else is quite this big. I think it could go on the stairwell landing or in a guest room office space. It's a work in progress. The master bedroom's also an option, but it seems a shame to display it in a place where no one ever hangs out. I'm also wondering how to display it. I've seen pictures of kimonos displayed on a wall and in a shadow box frame. I like the look of the rod and it's more affordable in terms of a way to display it, but I worry that the kids are going to pull on it and destroy it. They are crazy. I also wonder what to do with the blue obi. I've attached a picture of the kimono and also the stairwell and guest room and office. Thanks again, Erin. All right, Erin. Well, I love the idea of doing something unconventional in terms of art, whether it's a wall hanging or, you know, macrame or a quilt or in your case, a kimono. It's nice to have things that aren't just rectilinear frames on a wall. That being said, um, let's place this kimono. I can't see exactly how large it is, but I'm going to take your word for it. I'm going to assume it's at least five feet high. You have a great option in terms of this stairwell because I love that you have so much height. I don't know how old your children are, but it might be hard to keep it away from their hands. Uh, but in a stairwell where maybe they're coming and going, they're not spending a lot of time there, it's not a room that they're playing in, may not even be a place where their friends are hanging out for too long, I think that is my favorite location based on the pictures of your space and your kimono. The guest room is one of those places where people won't see it. I like the fact that the kids won't be in there to touch it, but it would, because it looks like you just have eight foot high ceilings, be something that would be easily accessible for them to touch. And, um, you know, it's just not going to get a lot of attention. I absolutely would not put it in a master bedroom. And the reason is because this is a piece from your grandfather. And if you've listened to lots of episodes, which you assure me you have, Erin, and after working with me in person, I'm sure that you know that we wouldn't want something from a family member in the master bedroom. The master is a place for you to hang out alone or to hang out with a romantic partner or romantic partners. 
but it is not a place for family members if you don't want to make out with them. We're kind of in this awkward territory right now, guys. It's not a place where I put pictures of family. My grandmother made me a beautiful quilt. I would love to use it every day, but I'm not going to put it in my master bedroom because that is my personal sanctuary for me and my loved one. And we don't want to be getting romantic while thinking of family members. At least I don't, right? So that's something to keep in mind. I personally don't put anything that is made by or reminiscent of a family member or someone I don't want to make out with in the bedroom. So by process of elimination, stairwell it is. I think it's absolutely gorgeous and I'm really excited to hear what you're going to do with it. The Obi, I don't know. I mean, I've never personally hung a kimono. Uh, so I would look online to see what other people have done. It may be a time in which the OB just hangs inside the jacket and you can kind of see it peeking through, but I'm sure other people have come up with much more creative ways. I'm with you. I think the pole or rod would be much better than the frame, which will be expensive and, um, you know, that may not be the kind of investment you want to make right now. All right, Erin, happy to help as always. Let me get to my next question. My next question comes from Kimberly. Kimberly writes, Hi Betsy, I'm reading your book and I'm enjoying it. I'm taking so many notes. I took your quiz about the Academy and it said I would be a great candidate. I'd love to get more information about the time and financial commitment and the types of things that you cover. So Kim, yes, let me answer this question before I move on to your design questions. First of all, thanks for getting the book. It is really a wealth of knowledge if I do so say myself. It is a guide that I give to designers who work for me. It's a guide that I give to all the designers who are in the academy. It's just really a go-to sort of starter handbook. In terms of the academy, it is not for the starter. It is not for the hobbyist. The academy, as a lot of you guys know, is a program that I offer that teaches people who are interested in interior design to be interior designers so that they can run their own business and do their own thing, right? Maybe they've always had a passion for interior design, they've always dreamed of making it more than just a hobby, but they didn't know how. The Academy offers both business modules as well as interior design modules so that you have everything that you need to start taking retail residential clients the minute you leave the program. And that is the expectation. So Kimberly, if you're listening to this podcast as just somebody who wants to help friends and family, just somebody who's enjoying the book, the Academy is going to be too robust for you. You might want to check out my online classes. Those are great. Three online classes with the book for $99. Uh, if you don't need the book, just email me and I can remove that portion for you. But if it's really resonating with you that you've always wanted to be an interior designer, the academy is the best place to get that core education and start taking clients with confidence. Most other programs will not equip you with both that business acumen 
as well as those design modules. And this is the exact same program that my interior designers take in order to work for me. Whether they've been to interior design school or not, they go through these exact modules. I just chop off the first module and the last module. Those are the two business modules and have them take the core meat of the program. And I expect them when they complete that to go out and make money for me. So I would expect you, Kimberly, to take this and go out and make money for you. It is a 10-week online course. Now, you can take longer than that. You have lifetime access to those modules. So you can watch them again and again for weeks, months, years. You can start whenever you want. So nobody is waiting on you to, hey, Kimberly, where's your homework? I was expecting this so that we can all move along as a group. No, it's your process and your timeline. You just can't take it any faster than 10 weeks because there's homework, there's quizzes, there's projects involved. But you can certainly take your time, go on vacation, do your own thing as you're working your way through the modules. Uh, in terms of your other questions, if it is deemed that you're a fit, the best way to decide is to sign up for an exploratory call with me. So at the end of that quiz, if the result is that you belong in the academy, sign up for that design roadmap career call with me. Because I am very candid, just like I am on the podcast, if it is a fit for you or if it isn't a fit for you. The two questions you must ask yourself just in an ancillary way, do I want to be an interior designer and make money? And do I want to do my own thing? Because the academy does not set you up to work for someone else. Because I don't know what kind of software a different firm will require. I don't know what kind of background knowledge a different firm will require. A lot of them don't require schooling. But a lot of them will require you to know the softwares that they're working with. And adapt to the methodologies that they use. This program is set to launch you on your own path. And if you check those boxes, sign up for that call because I'm very clear on the call whether someone is a fit for the academy or they're not. I don't want anybody in this program who's not in the right spot for what they want to do and who they are. If that has intrigued you, if you seem to check those boxes, Kimberly, sign up for that call with me. I'd love to discuss more. And guys, if any of that is resonating with you, if any of Kimberly's questions were your own, please sign up for that call and we can discuss further because then I can really get a sense of what you want to do and um, where those dreams are taking you, Kimberly. Let me get to your design dilemma. You write, I have a downstairs bathroom dilemma and I could use some help. No one showers in here on a regular basis, so it's mostly just a powder room with a shower for guests. We moved in in November and have agreeable gray paint everywhere with a light gray cabinet and warm white quartz countertops in here. And we also have a lot of white light fixtures like the toilet, the shower, and the white wall storage. Oh, I think you meant just white fixtures in general. Okay. When I'm in here, it feels so blah. It really does not reflect my style, which I think might be comfortable, collected, or eclectic. I can't decide on that middle one, but I definitely want to add glam. I added some photos of our living room that are not quite done to give you an idea of what I'm drawn to. I would like to enliven things in there. I'm wondering if you have any suggestions. It feels hard to decorate such a small and functional space. I'd like to add some art, but there's not a lot of room. With the towel rod on the bigger wall, I worry about putting anything in here that could possibly be damaged by moisture. I thought of paint, and I used your tip and looked at the historical colors in Benjamin Moore. 
I really like black forest green for a wall color. The bathroom is our career gua. So I like the idea of this almost black color that relates to the green in our living room just out the door through the open concept entry. There's no natural light in this bathroom. So I would just be embracing that. I'm open to paint colors, moisture safe wallpaper, or any other decor ideas that you have. Also, do you have ideas for more attractive over the toilet storage for toilet paper and the like? I'm also looking for a very skinny cabinet to replace the one by the door because the shelves face away from the room. And I haven't been able to find anything that's only 10 inches deep. Lastly, I need another light close to the door and I'm thinking about a flush mount schoolhouse light to not compete too much with the existing transitional style over the sink. What do you think? Thanks for your help. On a funny note, I may have skipped kindergarten when we learned about Roy G. Biv, because when I heard you mention on the podcast, I thought you were referring to a designer named Roy G. Biv who was very into bold colors. Later, I heard Gretchen Rubin mention it on her podcast, and I had a a forehead smack moment. Thanks, Kimberly. Well, yes, Kimberly, I shouldn't assume that everybody knows what Roy G. Bibb is, but if you don't, it is the colors in the rainbow. And uh, so you'll want to look that up so you can become more familiar. But I reference it often in this podcast, and I've podcasted for six years now. Whew, I know it, right? So I just assume you fans have listened to every episode because when I fall in love with a podcast, when I start downloading a podcast, you better believe I voraciously listen to all its historical episodes. Hopefully you do too. But now let's dig into your question at hand because yes, I'm scrolling through these pictures of your bathroom and it certainly doesn't remind me of an eclectic palette. You know, when I'm looking at your living room that has these lampshades that almost have a stained glass effect with bold colors, when I'm looking at the armchairs in your living room that are mustard yellow with a rug that's green and blue and orange and gray, I mean, you just are a vibrant personality and this bathroom really isn't reflecting it. I think, hmm, you know, my instinct when I was reading it before I peeked at the pictures was that wallpaper would be a great idea because it's a small powder room, it gets no natural light, you're hardly ever in here, it's not the primary place you're doing your makeup. I just love it for a lot of different reasons. However, looking at this space, this room is cut up a lot. It not only has the cabinet above the bathroom vanity, It has the light above the vanity. It has that cabinet above the toilet for storage. It has the cabinet on the side that you mentioned for some additional storage. There's just so much going on in this bathroom, especially with that tall shower stall, that I'm worried that the wallpaper is just going to be mostly covered. Right now, the space in the two pictures I have of it does look a little bit cluttered. And I would not call what's going on with the light fixture and the cabinet transitional. I would probably call it contemporary. Uh, And especially with the cabinet on the side, with the shaker style front, the sleek metal um, towel bar. Everything in here is saying contemporary. Nothing is saying eclectic. And the only thing saying transitional to me is that piece above the toilet for the additional storage. And I agree with you, it's not as chic as I would like. You know, the thing I would really like to see, which may not be possible, 
is that this vanity mirror would be recessed into the wall and have some storage there so that you could ideally eliminate either the cabinet or that wall-mounted cabinet above the toilet. That would be the ideal. But if you don't have the bandwidth to carve into this wall, if you don't want to do a mirror that's external in terms of, you know, got storage, but it's not recessed into the wall, it sits on top of the wall. Um, I'm just wondering if there are places outside this bathroom where you could store things. I love the instinct of embracing your personality in here, but right now there's just no room for it. I do feel if you went with a dark wall color instead, that would not be a misstep because everything in here is so white and bright from the shower surround to the cabinets to the toilet that you're really not seeing all that much wall at all, which goes back to my original wallpaper point. So I think painting this a bold color could be a very interesting way to move forward. The other problem is, as far as I can see, there's no opportunity for artwork. So maybe your towels would have a fun pattern. Maybe your bath mat outside the shower could have a lively detail. I do want to infuse this room with some Kimberly, and I hope that some of those ideas will resonate with you so you can start doing just that. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. one comes from Katie. So here we go. You ask, hello, Betsy. I found your podcast a few months ago and it has brought a tremendous amount of joy and interest to my days, which are very simple in this season due to COVID. My husband and I currently live in a small, trendy downtown apartment with our two children. We've outgrown our space. We'll start shopping for a new home in the next few months. Since listening to your podcast, I've started planning updates for our new home. Thinking about this has made the waiting all the more fun and will hopefully make our transition smoother. We'll likely live here for more than five years. We want to focus on making the space our own in a stylish way, as opposed to creating it in a way that would be appealing for resale. We're looking for a home that's 2,000 plus square feet and hoping for a mostly open floor plan in the kitchen living dining area. I absolutely love white on white for the walls, door, and trim. Any suggestions for a white paint color? 
Is it best to do a slightly different shade of white on the walls than the trim and different than the white on the walls or just to do the same shade? I'm assuming that if the trim is already white and the walls are colored that we could just paint over the walls. What would you suggest to do? Okay, so I'm gonna stop right there because, you know, then we have more questions. I want you to wait to make these decisions until you're in the home. It can be really tempting to go ahead and design your home without having an idea of where you're going to be. But at least in my area, the homes are so different. It's not cookie cutter. I don't know what I'm going to be getting. You know, I'm also looking for a new home right now. And uh, Katie, I'm also intrigued about what it might be. But it's just like when you move into a space with a partner, you want this space to reflect not only you, but potentially your partner, even if he or she has no design sense. Maybe you want to have pictures of them. Maybe if you're my husband, you'd want to hang up something with his alma mater, like Syracuse. He immediately feels at home in any space as long as there's some kind of Syracuse uh, memorabilia, right? And uh, so I make sure to incorporate that in the spaces that I'm designing for us so that he will feel excited about it, even though I am not a Syracuse alum and I could care less and, you know, bright orange and bright blue aren't always my jam. Uh, so take your cues from the architecture as well. Consider it another partner that you're moving into the space with. That's what I like to think of it. Perhaps you heard the episode from a few weeks ago when I discussed that I was looking at a farmhouse. And this was a farmhouse that used to be a blacksmith's studio. I don't know what they called it back then. Blacksmith's shop? Uh, factory? No, what would they call it? Oh, anyway, it's been a long day, Katie. Yeah, I've been designing all day long. Um, and uh, so I'm filled with ideas, but not filled with the right words for them. Anyway, uh, so you know that when I was looking to design that space that had wagon wheels inside and tons of raw wood and beams, that's not my style. That doesn't personally resonate with me. I'm not drawn to farmhouses, even though I am from Missouri. But I was going to totally embrace it. I had already picked out the cowboy wallpaper. I was going to get a cowskin rug. I was going to go there, not fully, right? But I was going to have elements of that because I was taking my cues from the house. And I designed all of that before I actually went to the open house. So when I went to the open house, I realized that I was not as in love as I thought. There were many more design challenges that could not be solved without a lot of money. So I decided to move on from that space and I let the John Wayne wallpaper go. But the next places that I've been looking at, I'm also adapting. I'm not going to use that same John Jane John Jane John Jen John Wayne wallpaper and I'm going to let it inform me as to what I'm going to do. And I'm going to let it help make some interior design decisions. And I do not like white on white on white unless it's like a museum style space, a converted factory that's just got sheetrock and is very industrial. I think white on white 
looks like your landlord, and I know you're buying, but just bear with me, looks like your landlord bought a big five-gallon bucket of the cheapest paint he could find and painted the trim and the walls all the same thing. That's what they do in New York City when they're just trying to turn around an apartment for the next tenant, and it makes my skin crawl. Say you move into a place that's got lots of beautiful molding. You'll want to accentuate that by making the trim, the doors, those molding pieces, the crown, a different color and sheen than the walls. So I think by already committing to white on white without first committing to a space, you're making a misstep. And even when I commit to a space, there are very, very, very few instances when I will do white on white on white, even for a kitchen, because those whites aren't going to be exactly the same. As I mentioned, the sheen on the trim will be different than the sheen on the walls. The tile on the backsplash is different than the white of the cabinetry. And when it's so close, People are seeing the differences. One is slightly more yellow. One is slightly more blue. One feels crisp while one feels dingy. And they're always comparing the whites and it never looks fresh, right? Whereas if you have white trim and a slightly off-white wall, be it a super pale version of gray or a super pale version of beige, when you do that, People are looking at the contrast and appreciating the molding and appreciating the walls. So I just want to challenge that idea and I want to challenge all of you who are going to interior designers or going to these showrooms on your own and saying, I want white subway tile for the backsplash. I want a white Corian countertop. I want white shaker style cabinets because is really any of it going to look pure white? Just ask yourself that question, and then maybe look to make a change. All right, let me get to your next questions. You continue. I'm also working on a budget for new items. We need a new sofa. I love sectionals and listen to your tips about Ikea and Macy's, so I'll be looking there first. We have two young children, and I'd love to find a comfy sectional that has removable covers for washing and the option to purchase replacement covers in case of bad spills. Does it even exist? Yes, it does. It exists at Ikea. And Ikea is 80% crap, 20% gold. So you will want to go jump on those things, read the online reviews before investing. Now you could do something like Pottery Barn, right? Where you could definitely remove those covers, um, potentially buy new cushions. Uh, But, you know, that's going to be a whole different level of price point. I prefer to just buy a sofa, you know, because let me take it back a step. I had a sofa when I first had very young children who were projectile vomiting and, you know, spilling their formula and all these things, right? So I bought a sofa from Ikea that had a removable cover and I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be perfect. I'll just unzip the covers whenever there's an accident and I'll zip them right back on. It is not that easy. And I have had that couch for 10 years and I have washed those covers one time and certainly they needed to be washed more than that, but it is inconvenient, difficult, and bulky. So as much as you think you're going to wash those covers, uh, unless you have someone to help you with that task, you may find you don't do it as much as you think. So then just getting a great sofa with a performance fabric to me makes more sense because also slip covered sofas can look schlumpy, dumpy, 
Oftentimes they don't fit well, so they look like you're wearing ill-fitting granny panties in terms of your sofa's couture. I just think a performance fabric sofa might be a better way to go. And there you know I'm talking about Macy's because they also have a really good upholstery service package. It's very affordable. It's like one annual rate. I turned it down when I got our sofa because I was just penny pinching and we were a little bit house poor when we just moved in. Um, but in retrospect, I would have definitely taken them up on that amazing offer. I think it was $250 for three years, new cushions, anything happens. Wow. Wow. Okay, let me go to your next question. You write, we're also going to need an entertainment center. I'm hoping to do some kind of IKEA built-in hack with storage and doors to hide my children's toys. Any suggestions on certain pieces to buy for this or a different place to shop other than Ikea? We have a 70-inch TV that's way too big in my opinion, but my husband loves it. I've been looking online for an affordable way to cover it and when it's not in use. Sliding barn doors that go over the built-ins and part in the middle over a large art print that slides down over the TV like an old-school map, perhaps. Do you have advice? Well, you know, sometimes when you're hiding, trying to hide something... Like say you have a zit on your face, right? So you try and cover it with makeup. You try and cover it with concealer. Maybe you try and cover it with a band-aid ultimately. All of it draws more attention to itself. And we know what you've got under there. It's a zit, right? That's kind of how I feel with people trying to do too many hacks in order to conceal their TV. There are units that can conceal a TV, but 70 inches is really big and I think pretty difficult. I might suggest rather than investing in all these cabinets and built-ins and ways to artificially conceal with doors, maybe you consider getting the frame TV. I know you already have a TV, but maybe he moves his 70 inch into his man cave and you get a frame TV for the living room that then, you know, has those um, pictures to make it look like art. It really is quite beautiful. My clients have been snapping them up and I am just so impressed with their aesthetic. And next time I move, when our 65 inch TV goes into, I don't know, let me dream, a fully finished basement, then I will buy a frame TV. I will splurge for my upstairs. In the meanwhile, why don't you, I don't know. It just feels like it's too DIY. Either hire someone to build something properly or to take a really good hack that you see online and to do it in a really professional way or just leave it be. And I'm more inclined to leave it be. You know, some people are in denial or some people are trying to like hide the fact that you have a gigantic TV. And sometimes it's like trying to hide the elephant in the room. Think about that and maybe angle the seating so it's not all facing the TV so that when you do have guests, it's not the focal point. Or maybe you have swivel chairs so they can swivel and look at you rather than the big black hole, right, that's hanging on your wall. All right, let me get to your next question. You write, as we start to shop and plan for updates, I'm wondering if there's a free program where I can easily upload a photo and play around with different trim colors. Do you have one or two that you might suggest? Well, Benjamin Moore has a really good app. It does a lot of things, but I don't personally use it. I use a program like uh, Mac Pages because I can change things and kind of color things. If you do Photoshop, you can do something like that. I'm sure there are other apps. It's just not something I do. The 
one benefit of being an interior designer is I am really good at visualizing things in my mind that aren't in paper. And when I'm not able to visualize something in my mind, I'm able to use a Photoshop-like program to make it happen. But check out Benjamin Moore's app. I just downloaded it the other day, but haven't used it. It is called Color Portfolio. And apparently that's the best one that they have out there. They have two apps, but apparently it's all about Color Portfolio. Well, I'm so happy to help you, Katie. Guys, it's been an epic episode. 33 minutes. Whew, at the end of a long, busy, busy day. What is today even? Tuesday. Tuesday. The week is just ramping up, and I have loved talking to you guys. If you have more questions, if you want to reach out about the Academy, head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast, and there you will find everything you need to um, keep the conversation going with me. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.